In a recent ad for her new perfume, Fantasy Twist, Britney Spears spins and strides up and down a corridor. Behind each door is a person for whom she transforms herself with costume. She is dragging up, playing to her audience, wearing perfume. She becomes whoever they want to be, whatever they desire, as long as it involves Britney Spears wearing false eyelashes and showgirl sequins. She is a body onto which a limited number of fantasies can be projected. Britney's first Elizabeth Arden fragrance, Curious, was released in 2004, the year of In The Zone. Fantasy was released in 2005. Fantasy and Curious appear in most perfume collection videos on YouTube. It's my signature scent, they say. It fades on me really quickly, which makes me sad, because it's my favourite perfume ever. I wear Midnight Fantasy at night time, when I want to smell amazing. Yeah, I want it all over you, Brit sings in her song Perfume, released late last year. She wants her man to smell of her, but not her saliva, her sweat, her blood. She wants him to smell of her perfume. So I wait for you to call And I try to act natural Have you been thinking about her about me? And while I wait, I put on my perfume Yeah, I want it all over you I'm gonna mark my territory Her lover, Brittany suspects is sleeping with his old girlfriend. Perfume is about a girl marking her territory with scent. Perfume leaves a trace of the wearer, marks its presence in space. This wake is called sillage. It's the bit you leave behind. Perfume is a message, a code. Smell stops us from eating indigestible or poisonous matter. But when worn on the body, scent says, I am here. And later, I was here. Perfume, as historian Richard Stammelman writes, speaks the body. Wearing perfume, you can be more than yourself. You can exceed your limits. Coming up on this episode of Car, All Over You, an essay about perfume. Conversations with writer Elisa Harrod, poet and perfume critic Elisa Gabbert, and artist Calvin Sangster, and a new audio work by artist Erica Scorti. It seems to me like the more real economic and political power that women have gained, the more afraid we are of taking up space with perfume. Elisa Harrod's memoir, Coming to My Senses, was published in 2012. It really seems to have worked that way. Coming to My Senses, 
It's a story of transformation, catalyzed by perfume. We had this moment in the 80s, you know, post-1970 feminism, where women were taking up huge amounts of space with perfume and also with their hair and their shoulder pads and their makeup <laughs> and their hairspray and probably their cigarette smoke. And then there was a backlash against the amount of space people were taking up and everything shrunk back down uh, in the 90s with the very strong exception of Angel, where things were supposed to smell like water, or like air, and everything was supposed to be fairly androgynous. And we've never really recovered from that. Things are still pretty small and safe. There's a line in Andy Warhol's The Philosophy of Andy Warhol, from A to B and back again, that reads, Perfume is another way to take up space. From chapter 10, Atmosphere. There are different ways for individual people to take over space, to command space. Very shy people don't even want to take up the space that their body actually takes up, whereas very outgoing people want to take up as much space as they can get. He is talking about his love of going into people's bathrooms at parties and going through their (laughs) bathroom cabinets to see what perfumes they have. And then often, like putting a little on and then going back out into the party to see whether or not the host or hostess notices. (laughs) Oh, so good. Perfume is this intimate, personal thing. Perfume is part of Harrod's dream life, her fantasy life. Perfume does this very uncanny thing um, where it can capture a potential self or a fantasy self and give it weight and give it life. You know, I think you had a question that you sent to me about how um, writing memoir and this kind of confessional mode and even writing about perfume is kind of women's work and it's intimate and it's not really considered this sort of big official anything. She's right. I did. You know, that's exactly what I wanted. I was so tired of trying to make these big theoretical claims to almost no one. Perfume gave Harrod a way to write outside of the academy, to write self-narrative, to write about identity. In her book, she writes about the idea of sillage, the weight of a perfume. Having never heard the word actually spoken, she associated it with the word spillage, with leaking out all over the place, letting something escape into the outside that's supposed to be kept inside. To some extent, she was writing in a quieter voice. Writing in the confessional mode is another kind of spillage. This was the first time that I had been interested in a subject that was fairly mainstream and that was about pleasure. And writing in the first person and writing a memoir allowed me to have a kind of intimacy with the reader so that I could be, you know, just right there, leaning forward, because I wanted to present myself as this beginner and this person who was infatuated and have the reader come along with me. Warhol would switch perfumes all the time. 
It was a way of remembering his life through a catalogue of smells. Before he started using perfumes, Warhol didn't have a smell memory. He realised he had to make what he called a smell museum, so certain smells wouldn't get lost forever. For Warhol, perfume is a neat way to reminisce, to transport your whole being to another time and back again. It's a kind of time travel. The story is that he was buried clutching a bottle of Estee Lauder's Beautiful. I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> but yeah, he, he would have enjoyed people telling that story, I think. Perfume describes a world that is continually slipping away, becoming something else. Perfume doesn't mean anything until it's in the process of slipping away. Even if you don't use them, they're in the process of changing and decomposing. That's always true of anything that we collect. But I think maybe it's a little easier to fool yourself if you're collecting something that's meant to be permanent. But people can kind of heap them up in a way that is impossible with perfume because it is just an organic thing. There's no way to fully control it. Uh, but that's also what makes it worth pursuing. You could think about perfume as a way to cover up your natural smells with chemistry. Elisa Harrod prefers to think about perfume as a de facto archive of the world's scents. You have this collection of phantoms. Perfume hangs on to scents that are often unavailable to us in any other way as the world goes by. Right? So the, the great Mysore sandalwood forests of India have been decimated, but we still have sandalwood oil. And um, not very many people know what real bergamot smells like, but it's everywhere in perfume. There are just so many things that I, I would never know about the world if I didn't have this little archive of smells in my closet. You've got this kind of whole spectrum of woody smells that are used in perfume. A lot of them have been developed to try and create a cheaper alternative to um, sandalwood, but they actually smell so much more interesting than sandalwood ever was. This is Calvin Sangster, an artist based in Nottingham, who happens to live with my brother, Tim. He also happens to have a collection of smell molecules. According to Tim, Calvin dabbles in perfumery most evenings. You've got this, like, cephalus, which is one of my favourite things of all time. <laughs> it's a woody smell, and when it's pure, it smells like, uh, smells like beach balls. Like two things that, don't, that shouldn't go together. Like Elisa Harrod, Calvin is a collector of scents. The aroma chemicals and essential oils in his collection the building blocks of any fragrance have cultural significance. 
They are the keys that unlock connections between everything, a collective memory. We've all encountered these molecules in cosmetics, in cleaning products, in paint, and in nature. They're given off by plants and flowers and trees and algae. They're the reason why seemingly completely different plants will, will, will smell similar. You know, like why, why lemon thyme has a similar character to lemon and lemongrass. It's just that we've only ever encountered them in combination with lots of other molecules, never by themselves. It's an uncanny experience. There's this interesting sense of like familiarity, but also the kind of strangeness that comes with like not having encountered something alone before. Synthetic aroma chemicals were first developed at the end of the 19th century, the birth of modern perfumery or fragrance chemistry. A lot of these synthetic materials are actually natural in origin, and in many ways they're cleaner, they're safer, they're more pure than a natural. Calvin presents me with a perfume he's been working on. What's this? The perfume? This is a perfume I made, yeah. I feel like it's all out of my nose. Do your nose is getting tired? My nose is tired. It's, it's olfactory fatigue. Yes, I have olfactory fatigue. Thank you for diagnosing it. <laughs> so, I mean, with, with this one, a lot of people, like, you know, they wanted to, to attach it to... Mm. Uh, something familiar. The whole approach I had to making that was it wasn't necessarily going to be as easy as that. It smells cold. Yeah, yeah. So I was interested in like, I guess, distilling this idea of the metallic cleanliness. It's not pertaining to be the soul of a flower or a plant, you know, or like descriptive of kind of object. It smells kind of green. Yeah. You know, like leafy as well. Yeah. Organic. It's like organic metal. Yeah, it's fresh. Like grown metal. Yeah. Perfumes are carefully composed mixtures of synthetic aroma chemicals and highly volatile essential oils, the kind obtained through distillation or maceration, enfluage or solvent extraction, squeezing a plant for its essence. The perfumer's materials are repurposed to sell the final product. The note lists are just fantasies, like the names and images used to market them. Beautiful, unforgettable, angel, our moment. Perfume adverts promise so much, we can't help but assume they can't possibly deliver, which makes them easy to undermine but no less pervasive. Erica Scorti is an artist based in London. She has produced a new audio work for this episode of Car, based on a perfume selfie she took as part of her winning project. In the selfie, she's holding a bottle of her mother's favourite perfume. Perfume advertisements directed at young women promise a kind of becoming. Wearing a perfume, you can become yourself, a real woman in society. But this seems like an old-fashioned idea. The age of the signature scent is over. Like selfies, perfume promises to code identity into an image, an image that is transferable, shareable, 
and available to be decoded by other people. A fluid kind of identity. Wearing perfume, you can be in a constant state of becoming. Lazy Saturday morning, still not dressed. First sign of sunshine and holiday shades are out. Ditched the hair straighteners and got out the retro glasses. Hot scent perfect for this awful weather. Who doesn't like daisies, doesn't love flower bomb, smells so cheeky and good, and even though mine is almost empty, I love this perfume on sunny days. Echo, euphoria, into the blue, promise, secret wish. My mum is going back to Athens today and she left me the rest of her perfume, as there's just a bit left and the bottle is heavy. She's in the background of the picture, attempting a military precision pack of her suitcase, while I pose with the bottle trying to get a flattering angle on the dark circles under my eyes. Magic romance. Pure purple. Ultraviolet. Alien. Seeing as I don't actually wear much or any perfume, this is by default my favourite, as it's the one I wear most often. I.e. she squirts me with it now and then, and then I briefly wonder, again, why I've never got round to wearing perfume. My little lady is following in mummy's footsteps. My little lady adores mummy's perfume too. From one lady to another. Me and my little lady, who loves mummy's perfume. Decisions, decisions. Um, I'll let mum decide. Intuition. Diamonds. Midnight poison. Deep red. True star man. When I was little, I imagined a time would come when I would officially become a woman. And this occasion would be marked with suddenly understanding the importance of perfume. Because every woman should have her own scent. The right perfume can make any girl feel like a princess. How you smell is such a big first impression. Touch of sun. Hope you like it. Instant. Cinema. Covered. Sicily. Paris. Finding the right perfume meant finding yourself. Perfume was the magic spell that would help transform me from clueless tween to real woman. Skilled in the sweet torments of love played out in the ads that promised I was special, and he knew it. Until then I was just a girl, rehearsing the role with body sprays, sports bras and sticky lip gloss, mouthing lyrics to sexy songs I didn't understand and wondering if people could tell. I want you all over me. I tried to resist. I want to be yours. My version of heaven. I never want it to end. I swear by my Jean-Paul, never fails me. Oh, and did I mention I love you? Darling. Sweet darling. Love came and went and I still never figured out perfume. Unless I'm still waiting and becoming a real woman or finding myself is still ahead of me. The day when I know that... Are you alive? Today is Niscada Elixir Day. Or I'm a boss woman. Here's me and my boss femme. My queen of the night and best friend Ellie. We love taking selfies, so we are topping up the lippy for me and my eternity moment. Here's me and my euphoria, my Artemisia with champagne truffles fit for a queen. The cat and I like Coco Mademoiselle by Chanel. Burberry Touch is the one. With love. Lovely. Flight of fancy. Star. I'm staring at the webcam, trying not to pout too much or do the wide-eyed thing. But what is this competition being judged on? In the end, my mum chose my perfume selfie. 
I had gone for another more posy one. Higher energy. Pure white linen. Flower. Chrome. Only the brave would take a perfume selfie like this. Even the dog knows this is Gaga. You've got to be in it to win it. And I want to win so badly. Does it count if my perfume's all gone? I'm obsessed with all of these. That's my addiction. Pity it's almost finished. My dream? To replace it. I love my mama, through all the drama. Mama, I love my mama. Check it out. The first one to hold me, the first one to scold me. You never cease to teach me. I always tried to reach me. Took me to school the first day. Taught me how to kneel. You learn me how to count from one to ten Never forget where I've been Mama I love my mama Through all the drama I love my mama Through all the drama I love my mama Yeah, I love my mama Love you mama I love my mama Turns out two interviewees have basically the same name. Yeah, so she pronounces her name Elisa, and so do I. I had a bad feeling that might happen. Confusingly. <laughs> Elisa Gabberts is spelt E L I S A, and Elisa Harrods is spelt A L Y S S A, which is all well and good on paper. But this is audio, right? I think it's maybe a, a sort of a way of augmenting the self, it's choosing the self that you're going to project to the world. Um, it's, it's almost like a form of drag, really. This is Elisa Gabbert. Elisa used to write a column called On the Scent for Open Letters Monthly, an arts and literature review. Her perfume criticism now appears on Bois de Jasmine, a dedicated perfume blog run by Victoria Frolova. There's a huge community of people seriously obsessed by perfume. They're thinking about it all the time and they're talking about it on the internet. There's a kind of expression that gets thrown around a lot in the perfume community and it's called falling down the rabbit hole. Um, you know, obviously a reference to Alice in Wonderland. You find one of these perfume blogs and just realize, oh, wow, there's this whole world of people who, you know, who collect perfume and who think about it. Gabbard's perfume reviews are detailed odes. They are written out of love, a voluntary immersion in the world of scent. You can really dramatize the experience of wearing it because perfume has this, this development over time. I mean, you can put it on in the morning and live through it through the day. It's going to keep changing. As the, different, um, the different particles that are in the perfume, they have different levels of volatility, meaning that, you know, the top notes evaporate more quickly. The head comes first, but it doesn't last long. Detectable for only a few minutes right after atomization. The middle notes emerge as the skin warms the oils, but the heart soon fades, giving way to the low notes, the bass, which is still detectable after several hours. 
The musicality of a perfume, its development over time, the story, works through evaporation. But they're also kind of blending with the oils on your skin and, you know, maybe your sweat <laughs> or um, the leftover perfume that's on your sweater from yesterday. And there's really so much more to say. She recently reviewed Estee Lauder's Modern Muse for Bois de Jasmine and gave it two stars. It's an example of bad criticism. Not that the criticism, like the writing <laughs> is bad, but like the perfume is bad. Uh, it's not really that the perfume is bad, it's just that disappointing. You know, I've always been a big fan of the Estee Lauder perfume line. And my first perfume love when I was 12 or 13 was White Lemon, which is an Estee Lauder perfume that was released in, I believe, 1978. White Linen is a classic, beloved. The lover can't help but feel let down by its makers. Gabbert writes out of love, not in spite of it. But what exactly is being sold? And which fantasy am I meant to buy? What should I smell like? The protagonist of Kate Zambrino's novel Green Girl works on the perfume floor of a London department store she calls Horrid's. Her task is to offer a single perfume for potential customers to sample. A celebrity perfume, the lowest of the low. The perfume is called Desire. Ruth is a green girl because she's unformed, uncultured, a rough draft. You speak like a green girl, unsifted in such perilous circumstance, Polonius tells his daughter, Ophelia, in Hamlet. At work, she is another type of merchandise on display. Zambrino's description of her Ophelia even sounds like a perfume. From page 53. She is a tender sapling. She is green. She is fresh. A 19th century invention. The shop girl, the perfume seller, earns little, and so too, probably, do her customers all share in the fantasy of what Emil Zola called the Cathedral of Modern Commerce. She is also a consumer. Liberty is her sacred space. Holed up in the changing room, clothed in a little black dress, she hears a voice from within, from which she is also alienated. It is so you. It enhances your personality. It makes you more than you were before. Ruth is infused with desire. If anyone knows about the fantasy of perfume, it's those embroiled in its transactions. The shop girls and boys taught to sell, sell, sell. Try this one, says the man behind the counter of Lilabo. He applies scented oils to his hair because it lasts longer. According to perfume reviews, Patchouli 24 smells nothing like patchouli, but that's fine because I wouldn't know if I like that anyway. Out of the bottle, it is full on bonfire, so I end up stinking like I've been burning plastic all afternoon, the special oil rubbed into my wrist. But later that evening, the lighter molecules having long evaporated from my skin, I can't stop inhaling myself. My nostrils clamped to my arm, shortening the feedback loop. I feel my body change, 
feel myself becoming a heightened awareness. I'm being sifted, undergoing transformation. I must taste different now, I think. I smell fucking amazing. <laughs> Perfumes disappear, they get discontinued, and new ones released. Elisa Harrod writes about a perfume her mum used to wear called Femme. It was just a, a kind of classic thing that has happened to many women, especially in her generation, who grew up thinking that you needed a signature scent, so you needed to find the one thing that would be yours. And it was also still the era of these kind of grand French perfumes, like Chanel Number no. 5, like Mitsuko, like Shalimar. Femme is definitely a big, complex, baroque French perfume that unfolds over many hours and is full of raw materials that may or may not be available anymore. The perfume industry is dependent on mass supplies of raw ingredients. Ingredients that turn out to be damaging to the environment or increasingly expensive, unreliable to obtain. A regulatory body called IFRA now looks for allergens in perfumes and bans the ones deemed unsafe. Formulas change so much that some become synthetic ghosts of their original or something else entirely. Only the name, the bottle the brand remains the same. And the smell inside is totally different. And that is what happened to my mother. So she fell in love with this perfume uh, when she was in her early 20s. She used it and nursed it along all through my parents' lean years. And then by the time they had some money and she had children, the, it was gone. Elisa started searching for a vintage bottle of Femme because it's really actually pretty hard to get rid of all that old perfume that kind of hides out. There's something very moving about this particular kind of search. Trying to find the right chemistry, the right formula. It speaks of a daughter's desire to indulge her mother in a kind of time travel. Femme belonged to a time in Elisa's mother's life before she became a mother. When you lose a perfume, you really lose these years of your life that you've been wearing it. As the most ephemeral of substances, perfume, by its nature, threatens to escape, transform into something else, blend, or disappear altogether. From page 248 of Coming to My Senses, a signature sense promise, the promise that you will be remembered, offers a kind of immortality. After you are gone, your scent remains on a scarf, on a dress, or on a stranger, swirling by someone you know, catching them up, catching them off guard. But we are moved by these traces because they are fragile and ephemeral. They touch us lightly, and then they let us go. There are two bottles of perfume at my mum's house from my teenage, 
but she still hasn't thrown away. Ralph Lauren's glamorous and Chanel's chance. They're in a cupboard in the bathroom, both half full, gifts from early boyfriends. The Ralph Lauren bottle has a small diamante set into the lid. Penelope Cruz was in the advert. I don't know why my mom has kept the perfumes. Maybe perfume seems precious because it's an expensive gift. Then again, perhaps she's just the kind of person who keeps her stage makeup long after retiring from performing. A collector of phantoms. For years, my mum kept that toolbox full of lipstick and mascara from when she was a dancer. It was pretty old and toxic. She had moved from London, where my dad lived, to Brighton. She'd stopped wearing makeup. She cut her hair, started seeing girls. But she kept it. It moved with her. I have a photo of her in a yellow and orange sequined bikini and fishnet tights. My parents met working in a pancake restaurant. My mum, aged 20, no longer a dancer, would sit in the cafe opposite when my dad was on his shift and watch him serving the customers. I bet that place smelt amazing. I don't remember putting it on, the makeup. Just the overwhelming smell of it. The smell of all the old products mixed together and the ever-present coating of eyeshadow dust all over the plastic. Something had clearly exploded, like dye in a bag of stolen cash. I was young, but I was old enough to instantly understand that it belonged to a time before me. I learned that Glamorous has long been discontinued. It was never intended to be a classic, just a bestseller for a year or two. I better keep that bottle, that piece of my teenage, because one day, I might want to get a little bit of it back. You left me damp in your perfume of sex and You have been listening to Car, a podcast considering other ideas. This episode featured Elisa Harrod, Elisa Gabbert, Calvin Sangster, and Erica Scorti. You can find out more at listentocar.co.uk. Looking for honey. There's honey here. Oh, right. Honey abs. Yeah, honey absolute. Honey abs. That's my next fragrance. <laughs> oh my god. Pretty full on.